now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, 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 check. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi. You just, no, really. I'm not just saying how you doing, you know, like a passing conversation. I mean, how are you really doing? You ever had people say that to you? I have. They go, how you doing? And I'm like, good, because I'm a human and that's what you say. You know, you could have watched the rest of your family die in a horrific mill accident in the morning. And if someone goes, how you doing? You go, fine. Because that's what being a human is. Keep your fucking pain to yourself. That's all right. Don't don't do what I say. Uh, but I have had people like uh, very sincere people who'd be like, no. How are you really doing? Still fine. Anyway, I'm in Glendale. Maybe you can hear the AC going. Glendale, Arizona, near Phoenix. Uh, I'm not turning the AC off, or I could die. Not really, but it's a it's a it's a brisk 110, 111 here. Um, which sounded hotter than it did a few days ago because uh, if you live in the Northwest right now, it's uh, I don't know what they're calling it, heat mageddon. Um. Uh, it's going to be hot. Like, historically hot. Hopefully they're wrong, but the weather's not as wrong as they used to be. Uh, but anyway, where I live in Olympia, is supposed to get up to, like, what, 108? Something like that? That's never happened in the history of Western Washington or Western Oregon. 108? Holy shit. Has anyone looked into this global warming thing? What is going on? Uh, so that should suck. Um, we have air conditioning um, in our house. It's a little... Uh, the house was added on to. Oh boy, here we go with the one percenter problems again. Don't you hate it when you have central air and then you expand your house and your system's not really enough to keep up with the new square footage? Don't you hate it? Um, so if it gets really hot, it works, but it's not, it's not going to be 72 degrees in our house. It might be 82 degrees, but that's a lot better than 108. Um, so I do... Uh, I am happy about that, but uh, I mean, we might have to invite the neighbors over, and especially we have an elderly neighbor. Um, uh, so yeah, it's uh, 108 when most people don't have air conditioning. That's, that's pretty serious. That's uh, that's uh, you got to look out for the old people during that. I'm drinking a drinking a coffee right now. I'm at the I don't know where I am. What's the name of this hotel? Wouldn't that be great if someone yelled back? Um, I don't know why I need to be factually accurate on a thing that doesn't matter. But it's a courtyard, courtyard by your mom's house. Um, and uh, it's got a little kitchenette. I took a nap. 
Got in about 10 a.m. on my flight, so I checked in early, took a little nap, having some uh, evening coffee. And, uh, you know, at a hotel, they have the little uh, plastic bags with the little, it looks like a a coffee patty. I don't know what it is. You know, you don't need to put it in a filter bag. It's already built into a filter. You know, you you guys know how coffee works. And, uh, but then those are usually for, I couldn't figure out the size because it's a full-size coffee maker. But the coffee pod thing doesn't look big enough for a full pot. And so I looked at the thing and I said, good for four cups. I don't know if I'm just extra dumb, but I've never, I always have trouble. Like, are coffee cups the same as just a cup cup? I don't know. I put, I filled the water to the four. And now I'm, I'm drinking the coffee and it's not, uh, it's a little light. It's a little light. Um, but, you know, I guess it makes sense. because. I like my coffee like I like my women with confusing measurements. Hmm? This podcast, uh, this is going up a day late. You probably, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not like everyone's gathered around the fireplace waiting for the latest episode of The Rutledge to drop. Uh, but <clears throat> that might happen. I might, it might be dropping on some weird days because with summer, uh, it's kind of a tough schedule for, uh, finding time to record, and I'm still not going out of town that much. So, uh, dropping it a day late this week. I was at uh, SeaTac International Airport early this morning, like I do's, and uh, I was sitting somewhat near a lady and a fella, and... The, the lady said, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Will you watch my bag? And I said, sure, because I, you know, am a human. Uh, and then I, <laughs> at first I thought, it's just kind of weird she picked me. I mean, she picked correctly. I didn't. You know, I didn't uh, steal her bag, rifle through her stuff, uh, take a dump in her toiletries bag. I did none of those things. So she did. I can't fault her uh, profiling because I did safely watch that bag. There were a few people just walking by like 10 feet away from it, and I said, stay the fuck away from the bag. I've been given a mission. Uh, but this is what made it awkward because I was sitting there a guy was sitting there she was sitting there she gets up she says to me will you watch my bag (sighs) the other guy the other gentleman who could have been asked was what science is calling black Uh, so it was a black dude and so now I'm not putting this on the lady, but it. she leaves. I'm watching the bag. I'm looking at my new awkward black friend. And it feels like she said to me, don't let this black dude take my stuff. I don't think she meant it that way. 
But, you know, when she left and made us deal with the history of racism in this country as an unwilling pair, uh, that, it was so awkward. I didn't say anything. What am I going to say? Like, you know what? Why don't you watch the bag, man? We could have had a real green mile moment where a white guy fixes racism. But I actually, I'll give the lady the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she was saying, uh, and this dude was clean cut too. It was like, she picked, she picked the long haired dirt bag to watch her bag. Uh, so that was, um, awkward. That was a real, it was like a real Larry David type moment. <laughs> I've been watching that show lately. Just one of those moments where it's like, hey, will you watch my bag? And I'm like, sure. And then she leaves and I look over and see this black dude staring at me. Like, no, 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 no. I don't, no, no, that's not. Do you want, no, we, let's both watch it together as Americans. We'll watch this lady's bag. Did I say Green Mile? I think I meant Green Book. But the reference might have worked. I've never seen either one of them. I've had a pretty light schedule. Um, last few weeks, I think I had only one show. One week, and the next week I had no shows. Last week, because uh, my son was graduating, we had the ceremony to go to, we had a, we had a party, uh, which is great. It goes from... It's such a, like, a sentimental moment that when you start thinking about it and then by the time you're done with the final party and the graduation and, you know, the cap and the gown and making arrangements and going to the senior party, Christy helped chaperone that. And by the time it's over, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's fucking graduating. Good, fine. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it went, two weeks ago, I was like tearing up randomly just thinking about my, my baby boy leaving the house. And by the time we had that graduation party, I'm like, can you leave now? Get the fuck out. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. School's out. Sun's out. Gun's out. Uh, I did a show for Christy. And um, not just for her. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's something comedians cannot do that musicians can do. Like, if you are a professional musician or a famous musician, and you say to your lady and or fella, Hey, uh, I've been working on a song. You want to hear it? It goes a little like this. You're my baby, and I don't mean maybe. And they're like, oh my God. I am wet and or hard. Maybe both. It's like, you know, when someone who tours clubs and stadiums takes out their acoustic and plays you the new shit, you're like, what a special moment. It's like being at the chef's table of music where you're like, oh, I get to see how it's made. This is great. Or I get to, I get to hear this music before other people hear it. Comedians do not get that. Um, we can't be like, hey, baby, um, I don't know if you're interested, but I, uh, I've really been uh, working on this new joke idea. 
where I talk about the differences between men and women. Would you like, why don't you sit down? Sit down on the couch. I'll do it for you. Women be shopping. <laughs> oh, baby, I haven't, even, I haven't even tried this one on stage yet, but uh, I thought you might want to hear it first. Who are these people leaving comments on porn clips? I mean, come on, folks. No, I don't want to share it. Anyway, it's, uh, it's not worked out yet, but I uh, thought you'd want to hear it first. I did uh, a show for Christie's work, is what I did. Uh, she is a paraeducator at Pioneer Elementary School, and they had like an end-of-the-year work function. Holy shit, we made it through a crazy year celebration on the last day of school. And I... Um, Christy said some of her pals were like, I wish Gabe could perform. And I, I said, I, if you want me to, I will do it. But that is a, I mean, that is a gift of love. That is, you know, first of all, it's a thing I normally get paid for. But um, I'm, I, I think Christy received it in the right way, but it was like, <laughs> I'm working for free. I'm doing this for you, okay? This joke's for you, baby. Have you ever noticed? Can we stop? Okay. Uh, so I did that, and it was fine. It was fun. Um, also, I think, I mean, this is going to be the only time, uh, <laughs> it's been the only time in 20 years, and I think it will continue, uh, the only time my wife has ever introduced me at a comedy show. Um. Thank you so much. What an introduction. They really do make the paraeducators do everything around here. <laughs> that was fun. I, I probably shouldn't have put my phone directly in front of the sound system slash karaoke machine. Uh, but anyway, uh, that was fun. I've never also, I've never had a crowd. I mean, sometimes the host will like, get the crowd to clap before they say my name. But the <laughs> they started clapping for specific credits. Like, he won the Seattle Comedy. Yeah, he did it. What a supportive group. Um, so that was fun. There was also a very funny moment um, for me because, uh, you know, like everything does, it ran late and, and uh, Maisie was coming over she was walking over to the school, from the middle school to the grade school, uh, to get a ride home with Christy. So I was on, I'll call it a stage, but it was like sort of a covered basketball area next to a table with remnants of cake. Um, and uh, so yeah, just to like be performing 
and then look over and see my daughter walking up. That's all we got. Oh, good, my daughter's here. This isn't awkward. <laughs> Hi, daddy's at work, kind of. They're not paying me. Uh... Oh, and we laughed. Hmm. Uh, you know what I think I'm going to do? Because i got to go pretty quick. I think I will... I don't even. I don't have to tell you this, but I'm going to. I'm going to pause and then I'll, uh, you know, I'll check in after my hot shows tonight. Um, and uh, we'll call that a podcast. Uh, we'll be right back after this short break. What? What just happened? I blacked out. I'm back. I'm back from my uh, comedy shows. My voice is all blown out. Because I'm in the desert. It's dry. It's very dry. Good shows. Um, You're just going to have to take my word for it. Good shows. Uh, there was a moment at the after the second show. The crowd had cleared out. Uh, staff was cleaning up. I was drinking a Michelob Ultra. <laughs> when after comedy shows, I feel like a bad dad. Like I'm drinking beer while other people work. You missed a spot. Anyway, uh, I these kids come in, not like baby kids, but you know, teenager kids. I'd say fifteen, maybe. And they're like, hey, I think my dad's in there. He was, he was like watching the show. And uh, I tuck my head in there. I'm like, is there any? I said to the staff, I'm like, is there anyone? Everyone's cleared out, right? And they're like, yeah. Oh, I thought my dad, it was the saddest moment. I mean, maybe it wasn't sad, but it felt sad. I'm like, oh, is he your alcoholic dad at the axe throwing bar next door Are you, is this what you do every friday night wander around looking for your dad yeah my phone died i can't find him <laughs> how did axe throwing bars ever get past an insurance company how did that just sharp tools and or weapons and drinking how did that become a thing. I was talking to the owner of uh, Stir Crazy Comedy Club where I am, and he said you can, there's a bunch of videos online of like the axes coming back and hitting people and shit. That's what I'm going to be looking at later. That's what I need to see to have an orgasm now. It's sad. It's sad. I can only get off to axe throwing accidents. I actually looked already, but I didn't find any accidents. I only found axe throwing near misses. And as someone in the comments pointed out, they're not near misses. They were misses. They were near hits. That what? My mind was blown. Like if you get in a car accident, you say it was a near miss situation, but that's not right. 
was a near hit. I don't know. My whole life has been a lie. Every near miss. I mean, you should, like, if you get hit in the head with a baseball, you should be like, that was a near miss. Unfortunately, it hit me. Do you know how many times I've said that incorrectly in my life? All of them. Every time. And don't, don't even get me started on couldn't care less or could care less. I'll never get that one right either. Well, I've been, uh, I've talked to you, uh, podcast friends, uh, a bunch of times about my dry bar comedy special that, uh, I originally turned down years ago. Then I saw all my friends and colleagues, uh, who did it make money and get uh, a nice boost from it. And then I tucked my tail between my legs, and I said, all right, uh, I would like to do it now. And they said, okay. And I was going to tape it at the end of March 2020. They said it had to be canceled because of a pandemic. Seemed like they just didn't like me, but whatever. And then I taped it in September of 2020. Limited capacity. I think originally they said it's going to be 150 people. It's like this beautiful room that holds 300-something people. But, you know, there are 150 people, and then it was like 100 people, and then it was 50 people for the taping, and they didn't all show up. So it was about 35 people per show, most wearing masks. Did not feel good. Uh, I have since emailed the... Dry bar comedy people and been like, hey, can I tape it again? Can we just? It didn't seem like it worked. And they said, oh, no, you're hilarious. I'm like, I know, but I'm, I come across as more hilarious when the sound of laughter is in the room. That's one of my secrets to a good comedy show is the sound of laughter. And, uh, but they were like, no, we think it's going to be. So they sent it to me, they sent me the rough cut. And uh, I would say the good news is it's not awful. I mean, it's better than it felt on stage. Uh, it's it, it looks good. You know, it looks great. I'm so handsome. <laughs> not really, but I'm wearing makeup. I look less tired. Uh, but it's still, it's just so hard to see my jokes that I know what they normally do. I know, you know, on a good night, people are pounding tables or crying or applause breaks or, you know, on a good night, that's what those jokes do. And it's just so hard to see me perform them and hear the sound of, you know, there's people laughing, but it's not what I would like, ideally. And they said, well, we're not done with the audio. We can sweeten it. We can make it, you know, we haven't mixed it yet. And so I was like, look, please do. You know, it's not, it's not terrible. I had to listen to the whole thing because they're like, you know, we want you to know if you approve of all the content we were going to put in. And I'm like, fine. I did fuck up a joke, but I kind of saved it. 
But, uh, you know, I'm like, the content's fine. Um, and then I realized, you know, my first reaction was like, this isn't terrible. So that was a relief. And then the more I watched it, the more upset I was. And I just have to stop watching it now. Um, even tonight, when I would do some of the jokes that I did on a dry bar special, I'm like, that's what it's supposed to sound like. That's the sound of people enjoying my comedy. Not this muffled 35 fucking Mormons and Provo. You know what? I shouldn't have brought Mormon into it. It has nothing to do with it. You're good people, Mormons. I'm sorry. I would let you watch my bag at the airport. That's how good of people you are. So uh, they said it's going to come out. They said it's, they're going to edit it up, and uh, it's going to come out late summer. And so um, I hope it's not terrible. I'm already envisioning the comments. Because, you know, I've seen it on other people's. Like, oh, this crowd kind of sucked. And it's like, well, they did their best. There wasn't a lot of them. So that's hard. It's hard to uh, it's hard to just let go of something. It's hard to lose control of something and be like, that's not going to be as good as I wanted it to be, but people are still going to see it. I don't know how many, potentially millions. You know, not all of the dry bar comedy specials go viral or the clips go viral on Facebook, but some of them do. And so that's a thing I didn't consider. Uh, when I thought about taping the dry bar special, I never thought, oh, this will be the thing that the most people see me on. This will be the platform that might get the most views of my career. I never thought, and it's not going to be a very good representation of me. That had never crossed my mind. I'd seen the specials. There's 350 people in a room. It's a hot crowd. It's a TV taping. I'm like, this is easy. I'll just go and crush and, you know, be the king of the Mormons. I'll be great. Uh, but no. I had to gut it out. I had to elicit laughter through socially distant masks while they ate candy. It's a dry bar. There's no bar. There's no bar. They, they'll give you candy, though. Could I get a uh, shot of whiskey? No, but would you like some red vines? Okay. So I don't think it's terrible, but I want it to be better. What are you going to do? Look, I'm, you know, I'm a comedian, and I we're never happy. I don't think any artist is happy. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll never call myself an artist again. I don't think any performer is happy. You know, no matter what. Even if there were 350 people there, I would have been like, oh, that didn't, uh, that joke usually does better, or I messed it up, or... But it's... You know, you just don't want millions of views from you performing for 35 people. It doesn't matter how good it looks. It's how it sounds. I mean, I sound good. You know, it's broadcast quality. It's like a thing that could be on Netflix or anything. It's, you know, 
It looks really good. It sounds really good. But there's no fucking audience, man. That's one of the key factors for a successful comedy special. An audience. And there barely was one. Uh, They asked for a title for the special. And I said, uh, let's call it A Third of the Room. Because that's how I opened the show. Sort of just kind of making a joke about Drybar was like, well, we should start shooting the specials again, but we can only fill a third of the room. We should call Gabriel Rutledge. That was my joke. I'm kind of known for filling a third of the room in this business. So that's, I think that's what it's going to be called, a third of the room. And, uh, you know, what they usually do is put out some clips on Facebook, and then eventually they release the whole... I think it's 25 minutes. The whole 25 minutes on YouTube and on Facebook. And I don't know. I hope people like it. But if they don't, I get it. Uh, Yeah, so I'm struggling with that in my own mind. Just because it's... You know, I have a... I have an underdog mentality. I have like, you know, that's what motivates me. Of, you know... Maybe you never heard of me, but I'll fucking show you. I'm the best. Not the best. I don't think that. But, you know, that's that's the chip on my shoulder that I kind of walk around with. That keeps me motivated. That, that keeps me, you know, I watch comedians on Netflix and I go like, it, depending on the comedian, there's some brilliant ones. But sometimes I go like, well, I know him better than that guy. Uh... You know, just petty things that keep you motivated in comedy. So, you know, I think those things. Oh, I wish I got that opportunity. I want to do a late night show. I should do this show. And that's, it's not always healthy, but I'm comfortable in that position. I'm comfortable in the position of like, oh, look, someone got something that I think I could have gotten and maybe done better than them. I'm comfortable in that position. I'm not comfortable in the position of, I got something, and it didn't turn out that well. You know, when I watched my colleagues do really well on dry bar specials, you know, I thought like, oh, well, I fucked up again. I could have done it, but I didn't. And, you know, I didn't feel good, but it felt comfortable. I'm used to that position. This position of like, you know, just years of people going, why don't you do dry bar? You'd be perfect for dry bar. And then I did it, and it's like, maybe not great. Ugh. That's very unfamiliar territory for me. And, you know, you'll probably, if you watch it, you'll be like, what are you talking about? It's fine. But it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not, I don't know. When they say sweeten, I hope they put in some laughs from, uh, Dane Cook's Vicious Circle comedy special uh, <laughs> from however many years ago. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't, how much can you sweeten 35 people? You're not supposed to hear individual laughs in a comedy special. You're not supposed to be 10 minutes in going like, oh, the guy on the right has a very interesting laugh that I'm starting to recognize. It's supposed to be a mass of people melds their laughter into this cacophonous sound that 
becomes the audience. It's not supposed to be 30-something individuals. I don't know. It's too late at night to talk about this. It's too depressing. Um, I think I started saying it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, and now I'm back to saying it's total shit. But, you know, I signed the contract. Uh, I hope it's better than I'm thinking. I hope they edit it to uh, make it better than it was. <laughs> Ugh. That's just not where you want to be as a comedian. Maybe they can save this in editing. Jesus Christ. It's such a, uh, it's a privilege to have a career and a job and a passion like stand-up comedy. You know, I don't, I don't take that for granted. It's something I, you know, I'm 20 years in and I still care so fucking much about it. Uh, and that is a blessing. Hashtag blessed, unironically. I guess I just wish I didn't sometimes. You know, when I when I was delivering groceries for Walmart, not that that's like my backup career, but I had to do it during the pandemic. And I'm thrilled I'm not doing it anymore. You know, I'm doing enough comedy, I don't have to. Uh, and I was, you know, I was there because life was in a in an emergency mode, you know. But fuck, it was simple. You know, get a little beep on your phone. You hit a button. You go to a Walmart. They give you groceries. You deliver them. You do it again. It's so simple. And I know, like, not in. There's no passion to it. There's no, like, I'm going to be the best Walmart grocery delivery guy. But I loved the simplicity of it. Because comedy is not simple, man. It's not. There's always something you should be doing. Even if there's not, you feel like you should. You should be writing a joke or sending an email or making a connection or reaching out to this person or releasing a video here or being doing this on social media. And it's, uh, there was something really basic and satisfying about bringing people Diet Dr. Pepper. That's not what I want to do. You know, I'm not saying that in the way that like, I'm going to go back to delivering Walmart groceries because I liked it so much better than being a professional stand-up comedian. Of course, I don't mean that. But I miss the simplicity. I think, you know, I've read things before, so you know they're true. That the most satisfying, the most satisfied people uh, are people who have jobs with tangible results. I don't know. Uh, whatever. I built a fence. There was no fence. Now there's a fence. I painted this house. I, uh, I cooked this meal. Uh, so I, I do think there's something to that. To the, you know, especially office jobs. There's so many office jobs that are like, you don't even know, you know, you're part of a 
your part four in a ten-part thing that just moves paperwork around. You take these reports and you do this, and then you email them to this person, and they do a different thing. That's not satisfying. Uh, so I do. I don't know. I do. I wish. Uh, there's just. It's such a great fucking job what I have. It's such a loophole in adulthood and it's so fucking great and I love it and I care about it so much. But every once in a while I wouldn't mind just uh, clocking in somewhere and clocking out when I'm done. Maybe I'll go home and watch a comedy special on Netflix and not think I wonder how that person got that. Anyone who is in love knows if you truly love someone, uh, it's terrifying and it's stressful. What if it goes away? What if the person you love feels differently? What if, you know, all those things. And I feel like that, I feel that that way, but if you truly love your job, it's the price of truly loving what you do is uh, perpetual dissatisfaction. And I'll take it. I'll take the fucking deal. What's the song, uh, uh, Janet, Janis Joplin? Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. You know that song, Bobby McGee. I'd play it, but I don't want to get in trouble for playing licensed music. But if freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose, anyone who's in love or loves what they do, you have no freedom because you're scared all the time. And that's fine. Personally and professionally, I, uh, I have things to lose. <laughs> I don't have freedom. Uh, I, have, uh, I, I have love and I have passion. And uh, I'll, I will take that deal, but it's like, you know, the I mean, the beauty of uh, being a comedian is it could go wrong at any time. But then it does go wrong sometimes, and you're like, fuck, I should have went to college. Uh, thank God I came back to record more. Thank God I took that break in between, <laughs> in between my shows so I could come back and pontificate about how depressed I am right now. I'm fine. Everything's fine. None of it matters because all of it matters. Uh, thank you, people who listen to this podcast. If you pay money to listen to this podcast, God, you're a good person. Uh, if you would like to do that, go to the episode notes, click on support this podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. You can change the life of me and my family. I Divvy up that money every month. That's my kid's allowance. I say, go to the candy store. Buy yourself a, a licorice rope. Thanks to the people who support my podcast. Uh, or go to RutledgeRadio.com. Click on support. You can do that, too. Same thing. Same link. Uh, you're the best. Even people who are just listening don't give me money. You're the best, too. Um... But for you, the podcast is free, and it's worth it.
show's over. We're done. Bye.